Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Conversations with Trellis, the online radio broadcast and podcast hosted by entrepreneur, author, speaker, and success coach Trellis Usher. Each week, Trellis and her guests share insights and techniques to help you live with more intention and authenticity. Leveraging the power of Trellis's blueprint framework, she will discuss intimate topics like relationships, finances, career, spirituality, health and nutrition, as well as broader topics like social justice, culture, gender and racial equity, and activism. Be sure to tune in each week to Conversations with Trellis for another informative and engaging show. But now, let's join Trellis and her guest in the studio for this week's broadcast. Good morning again. Good morning again, folks. I had a little bit of some technical difficulties this morning. So apologies for that, but we're getting it together today because we want to bring you this conversation. So um, real quick, just again, uh, from the previous one, what I'll do is I'll actually replace that current uh, first five or so minutes or so where we were trying to get the host on, get the guest on. I'll replace that with this uh, podcast recording. So hopefully those of you can see the new invite and the new post and you can jump on and that way you can call in and ask us your questions, leave us your comments. If you do have questions and you want to join us today on Conversations with Trellis, our guest call-in number is 347-850-8096. That's 347-850-8096. You can call in with your questions. And again, our topic for today, we're reordering the show a bit. I'm going to, because of those technical technical difficulties, I'm going to put all of our housekeeping things to the tail end of the conversation so we can get our guest on uh, right now today. But today we're talking about detoxing workplace cultures. And of course, with everything in the news around harassment, racial discrimination, gender and pay equity, uh, we want to have a conversation. We don't want to go tone deaf and not approach those things. And with our blueprint framework, we have the ability to speak about a lot of different things. The room in the blueprint that corresponds to your career or your business is the home office. And so as we think about the fact that we spend most of our time at work, uh, we want to make sure that people are in working conditions and work environments that really fit who they are and who they're becoming and that feel authentic for them. And everyone has a right to work in a a place that's safe, that's free from harassment, that's free from discrimination. And so we want to have that conversation today. And we have with us on the phone today Erin White, a friend and colleague of mine. Erin is the CEO and Master Strategist of Hexagon Outsourcing Group. And she spent about eight years at Coca-Cola Enterprises, which is where we met. And as an HR professional, she coached, developed, and guided some of the highest-level leaders in that organization. Uh, At Coke, Erin was always considered an entrepreneur, innovating ways of working and building internal centers of excellence from the ground up, as well as improving upon existing structures. Um, Prior to her career in HR, Erin was a hospitality professional whose career started out in New York City at the Waldorf Astoria, of all places, Uh, and culminated as an entrepreneur in Johannesburg, South Africa. She was the managing partner for an eight-bedroom guest house there that catered to global business travelers, dignitaries, and vacationers. Erin has her uh, BA in hospitality management from Howard University and also her MBA in human and organizational performance with an emphasis in entrepreneurship from the Owen Graduate School of Management at Vanderbilt. So welcome, Erin. How are you? 
I'm doing very well, Trellis. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for being patient with me. I was telling everybody about the technical difficulties that we had this morning, so I think we have those straightened out now. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you loud and clear. How about me? Perfect. Okay. You're good on your end, too. Okay. Awesome. So I was explaining to our listeners that um, today's call is really about detoxing workplace cultures. And, again, with your extensive HR background um, as well, I'm sure that this is something that as you've sort of seen the Me Too movement, all of the charges of uh, discrimination and sexual assault that are coming up in the workplace, that those were things that, you know, your ear kind of perked up when you heard those things. I think anybody who's in human resources uh, realizes that we've still got a lot of work to do, and so ears kind of perked up a little bit. Sort of give me a little bit um, as we get started here about what Hexagon Outsourcing Group does uh, more generally, and then we can talk specifically about how you're able to really leverage the work that you've done in human resources to provide better value for your clients. Okay, well, wonderful. Thank you again for having me, and I'd love to. Um, I think all of these things are connected. Um, uh, when I tell you about what Hexagon Outsourcing Group does, it really is just a continuation of the hospitality uh, work that I was doing as well as the HR work. And so at Hexagon Outsourcing Group, we basically help uh, small and medium-sized businesses um, with their customer engagement, retention, and growth strategies. But I think more importantly, and to your point around the Me Too movement being, feeling valued in the workplace, our purpose is to ensure people feel valued. Um, you know, right. we're in a world right now where many humans seem to feel devalued or undervalued. So mm -hmm. we are and want to continue to be a business that helps other businesses become entities that see the inherent value in every human being. We believe yeah. that businesses wield an enormous amount of power, and with that power they have the ability to play a major role in positively changing the landscape of society, and that's one human being at a time, one customer at a time, and one employee at a time. When you think about it, we touch a, a business every single day. And what mm -hmm. if the highest calling and purpose of a business was to create an atmosphere of love? And not that whole romanticized TV, blah, blah, right. but inherent right, right. in love is showing people that they matter. And so... Mm -hmm. Through our framework, through our coaching, our consulting, and uh, through a course that we're developing, we're going to help businesses do that. So it fits quite nicely, actually, in what you're talking about today, because no one should enter the workplace uh, feeling um, like they are less than. And so yeah. that's what Hexagon yeah. Outsourcing Group does. Yeah, great. And so it, it looks like, you know, everybody, one of the big buzzwords now is, of course, culture. Everybody's trying to build inclusive cultures. Everybody is looking at diversity and inclusion. You hear a lot of CEOs now who have sort of issued, um, you know, challenges or directives to their organization that they will, you know, be more inclusive and that that will be an area of focus for them moving forward. But for me, an, an inclusive culture is really an outcome or a manifestation. So when I think about how culture is, is really defined, it's a collective uh, it's the collective values, behaviors, 
attitudes and practices of a particular organization. And so you, the, the culture that you have, you've built it. And so if you have a culture that is not exclusive, inclusive, that's more exclusive, then there were things that you've done over time that have gotten you to that place. And so similarly, if you're trying to build a more inclusive culture, then there are going to be things that you have to do over time and really sort of hold, um, hold the organization, the organization's leaders accountable to those values, behaviors, and attitudes and practices over time. And then you'll start to see um, that inclusive culture kind of manifest itself. The way that I've looked at it is, you know, there are these five keys that I think about. And as we go through these real quickly, I'll just ask you to chime in. I'll list them off and then just kind of ask you to chime in in terms of how those resonate in the work, again, that Hexagon does with uh, trying to create, trying to create these cultures where there, you really do take something like love, and to your point, not the romantic, hokey kind of love that we, that we see in the movies, but how do you create these kinds of um, environments and workplaces where people do feel loved and valued and appreciated uh, for the work that they sure. do? So my, my five keys really, I think, when you're trying to build or detoxify a culture and build a more inclusive culture, it has to start with trust. If people don't trust um, who you are as an organization, who your leaders are as an organization, it's tough to get them to believe anything that you say. So all of the messaging coming out from the top, all of the training that you might send people through, if there's an inherent distrust in that organization, then people just aren't going to believe that things are going to change or get any better. The second key, I think, is clear expectations. So your values, your code of conduct, your policies, your practices, everything has to be clear. It has to be transparent. People need to know what the rules of engagement are, and they need to know what happens when those rules um, are broken. Accountability, no need in having expectations and rules if you're really not going to hold anybody accountable. I think where companies get into trouble, what I've seen sort of in the media space and film and entertainment when everything came out with Time's Up, and then also what we see in business, whether it's Silicon Valley or tech companies, which aren't as diverse as they could be, is that there's a lack of accountability. And so a lot of these high value, a lot of the high value talent in organizations, the people who are really driving revenue, really making moves for the org. You think about Harvey Weinstein, right? He's sort of at the top of the food chain in the film industry. Who was really going to hold him accountable to behaving better? And so I think organizations have to think through that in terms of succession uh, and leadership. What happens if one of your key people gets found doing some of these things um, that don't jive with your, your practices and your code of conduct? Then you're in a situation where you've got to figure out what to do. Are you really going to, you know, walk the talk? Or are you going to let people slide based on perceived value to the organization? Fourth key, I think healthy conflict. I think people shy away from conflict because they tend to go to the extreme. But I think what we know about um, the way great teams and great organizations function is that a healthy, you know, healthy conflict is okay. And people need to be comfortable engaging in that and trained in how to do it. And I think the fifth key, of course, is training. You've got to show folks how to do it. What happens when I see somebody being mistreated? How do I intervene? What do I say um, if I want to be anonymous or if I don't care about being anonymous? But how do I speak up when I see those things? So, Trust, clear expectations, accountability, healthy conflict, and training are really my five keys for, I think, how you detox um, a culture that has maybe gone off the rails. So talk a little bit about 
any of those areas where Hexagon sort of specializes or focuses when it comes to creating environments where every human being uh, feels like they're valued and appreciated. Sure thing. So um, before I go into those, and I think those five areas are spot on, um, I was taking notes when you were talking because I think there's some inherent things, almost like table stakes things that need to happen before you can even get to these five. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think there has to be a willingness and a self-awareness um, Absolutely. before this starts. So, for example, when we talk about building culture, and you said, you know, that, you know, organizations are responsible for the culture that they've built. So what has to happen is you have to be able to help guide them as a HR professional, as a customer experience professional, because we have to do some of the same things in order to get to the end result, which is customer engagement, right? Because if you have an unhealthy, yeah, very much like your body, if you have an unhealthy inside, it's hard to be healthy and look healthy on the outside, right? Um, And so we have to talk about some of the elephants in the room. You you mentioned the Me Too movement. Well, it really is its own kind of oxymoron because the person who started it, Tarana Burke, has been excluded from being identified from that movement. She's a black woman who has been excluded from Mm -hmm. um, even owning the hashtag and owning the movement that had been well underway before um, others had had jumped on. So, you know, we have to be inclusive of everyone, their thoughts, their ideas, you know, and if somebody came up with something first, it's an inherent sense of fairness. So that's a part of building culture that I would add to. Is it a fair culture? And if not, how do you get there? Identify also some of the elephants in the room that, yeah, we're talking about organizations, but each individual is made up of their own um, thoughts, ideas, experiences, and biases. And that's why mm-hmm. understanding when it comes to, I'll go jump to the last one, when it talks about training as, and as well as the second to the last one, healthy conflict, you know, we have to really understand that we all have implicit biases and we have to be willing to talk about those hard things before we get to training and accountability because when you talk about the healthy conflict, you have to understand and teach people how to depersonalize things. And that is very right. hard. So you, so you have to wonder, you have to do a clearing, a clearing. And I think that falls under your number two of expectations, but that has to be a clearing. And that's why I love this topic today of the home office and framework about cleaning up, clearing out, and letting go. That, yeah. Those pillars right there could be blown out, cleaning up, clearing out, letting go, purging, detoxing, and, yep. and, and a framework to be created for, for honesty and, and, and an outpouring of these are the things that I'm dealing with, and this is probably why I helped shape the culture I did, and then personalize it. And then as far as yeah. the accountability is concerned, it's the whole, what are, what are the systems and processes? And again, processes, and again, it goes back to fairness, right? So um, are we using the systems and processes the same way across the board? And, you know, you and I know that very well. Being an HR trellis, that sometimes yeah. it can be very subjective, and, it, and it's hard to get people to do things the same way. So going back to the original question, I just wanted to lay that foundation before I talked about yeah, what Hexagon great. does is, yeah, what Hexagon does is because, you know, we help, uh, firstly, one of the things we concentrate on is helping 
businesses understand the customer's journey, right? But I come mm-hmm. from a standpoint of, you know, you know very well the whole um, framework of Coca-Cola. We have customers and we had um, consumers. And so mm-hmm. sometimes in an organization, your customer is your employee. And it, right. it goes to what you're talking about around how do we make sure that we're enabling, enabling them with the best culture possible and being very frank and very real about the change curve that that will in, inevitably take people on, um, which will be a roller coaster, right. and to get to the culture that you want to ensure that your consumer, the person who, who is ever buying your goods and services, is being treated in a manner that is congruent with who the organization says it is, you know? So that, that's what we kind of try to peel back those layers first, but be clear mm-hmm. in the customer, in the customer engagement space that I'm in, the customer development space, we take one of the first looks is that the employees and understanding if the employees understand the message of the organization, believe the message of the organization, and most importantly, can they articulate it? Because if they can articulate it, then, they, then it's real to them. And so that's kind of the approach that we take, and it's a very hands-on approach with the, from the employee perspective. Great, great. That's great. That's very powerful and necessary work. Again, I think you, you know, I think about all of the value statements that I've seen on organizations and conference rooms on the wall or all of the strategy documents that I've seen companies pull together. Something's always in there about customer first, customer focused, customer oriented. But until they take that shift that you're talking about in terms of looking at their employees as their first customer um, before they can perhaps get to the consumer who is the person that's actually going to be paying or buying the goods and services, I think they miss because your your point is spot on. And I was working with a healthcare client in, in the healthcare space. One of the things that they're always looking at is patient safety, patient satisfaction, patient engagement, uh, family engagement and satisfaction. And if you don't focus some of your investment and effort on making sure that you have a fully engaged, um, high-performing internal culture, you can never get to those other outcomes. I don't know how you take a doctor who is screaming and banging his or her hand on uh, the table and, and screaming at everybody and creating havoc. I don't know how that person walks into a patient's room and flips a switch and now all of a sudden, you know, is, is the best, most compassionate, kindest uh, physician in the world over time. They may be able to pull that off for a little while, but I don't know how you sustain it. And so I think organizations do need to work uh, internally with partners like Hexagon to try and figure out how they take a look at their customer experience, seeing their employees as their as their first customers. I think the other point that you make, too, is not lost in that uh, sort of some of these movements, until majority groups are impacted, they don't seem to really take off. And so how are we really valuing inclusion when if communities of color, people of color, women of color, have been the spearheads for some of these things or have been screaming from the rooftop about harassment uh, in the workplace, sexual assault, screaming about pay inequity for decades. And it doesn't quite take off until the majority culture, until the white culture starts to sort of attach their pain to it. And then we're able to really kind of get some traction around it. I think that is one of the things that we have to be able to look at not just as organizations, but as society 
um, at large to be able to, to, to have that self-awareness that you talk about, have those tough conversations around, you know, why that is. And so, you know, for me, I was having a conversation with another colleague and we were talking about this idea of allyship. And, you know, my sense is that as a black woman, I don't need you to just be my ally in the conference room, in the boardroom. I need you to be my ally out here in these streets too, right? So if you are truly my ally, then you care about what I care about. So when there is injustice, you know, in the black community, when there is injustice with black women, I expect you to show up. Um, I don't just Absolutely. expect you to show up when, it, when, it, when you can see yourself as a majority represented in whatever the conflict, if it's mostly black, I still want to see you show up because I think that's how you sure. develop understanding. That's how you develop cultural competence. If you don't really understand what's going on in my life when I am away from work and have an appreciation for that and value that as a true and valid human experience, then again, it's tough for us to build the types of coalitions we need to build inside of organizations and inside of these major um, movements when I don't know whether or not I trust your uh, motives, right? I know it's exhausting, right? As a black woman, I can tell it's exhausting. I don't expect white women or white men to take on every black struggle because uh, I'm tired. So, so, so I get that you want to bow out of some of this stuff and you don't want to um, be as active maybe as you could be or as vocal as you could be. But I think if you're, if you're really looking to be an ally, I think that's the job. I completely you know, agree. So, I completely yeah. agree. Yep. Yeah. So I so, think that's, that's part of it. And we can't get to the culture inside the organization if we kind of have this little schism that happens in, in broader society. So you were going to say what? Yeah, no, I, I, was, I was just completely agreeing with you. And I think sometimes there's this need to go to extremes um, and, kind of, and kind of not realize that you can be supportive and still have different opinions. Because the, uh, as, as far as an organization is concerned, the highest, the highest kind of um, mandate, the mm-hmm. overall forward movement of the organization and exactly. not at a personal, um, at a personal, you know, kind of viewpoint. And that being said, it's, it's something I'm working on right now in another group and I'm trying to really get that message in a volunteer group. I'm trying really mm-hmm. trying to get that message across because there are two, it's, it's a polarizing topic, but there's yeah. two groups that need to be supported. And when you can, when you know that you can support by wanting the best that for that particular group, you may not mm-hmm. necessarily agree on how to get there, but support goes a long way, even internally Absolutely. when it comes to pay equity. And I just think that, a lot of times in organizations, we're often looking at the traditional solve uh, for problems, mm-hmm. for age-old mm-hmm. problems, when we should be looking at, and I refuse to actually use the term outside of the box because it is well right. um, But we refuse, <laughs> uh, you know, we refuse to look at different and forward-thinking strategies or, or even activities that uh, can be used to solve these problems. And we have to, have to, have to. And I will say, and this is probably not going to go over well, I think HR <laughs> as a profession, um, yeah. we, we really got to innovate. Got to innovate. Yeah. Have to think beyond our processes and programs because it is our mandate to steward culture. 
um, to help the leaders yeah. do that. And we have to get away from the old ways of doing things in order to make it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think one of the things in 2011 when I sort of stepped out to start my own organization, that was something that I started screaming really from the rooftops because I could see it even back then. We were going part of the way in trying to innovate in terms of technology. We were innovating in terms of processes and how we approach the work that we do. But I think there's also happening, you know, at that same time, and especially now, um, so many things are happening in workplace culture and in culture at large that require us to innovate. It requires us to think very differently about um, the employee experience, uh, how the employees come to your organization, what they expect when they come to the organization, sort of the personalization that people now expect in their customer experience because everything, um, the democratization of all of that. It's like, you know, gone are the days of the HR police and, and HR sort of being the gatekeeper uh, to the organization. I mean, there are so many things that are happening now with the culture changing from, you know, technology and, and everything being online and, uh, and so people having that expectation, their buying habits. And, and so HR really has to think about how do we get out of the box? I mean, it, it, to, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to use. <laughs> I know you were saying. You did like, it. You did so, it. You're guilty. I did it. I, I have to put a dollar in the, in the jar. In the, I was going to say 10 bucks. 10 bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Coffee is expensive. $10, $10, yeah. $10 to, to your volunteer group or whatever cause it is that you're, that you're working on. But, yeah, we definitely do have to innovate because I like that we are we – we are the keepers and curators of uh, of the culture, and I think that healthy conflict is is what has to happen within those departments because we within those functions because we have to get comfortable having those conversations with each other as well. And I think too often because you know HR we're the people people and kind of my phrase that I used to say uh, when I was back at Coke we're the people people so everybody expects us to be nice everybody expects us to be cordial and. So we, we sort of sit, when you think about uh, Patrick Lencioni, the uh, author of uh, Five Dysfunctions, has this conflict continuum that he talks about. And on the far left side of it is artificial harmony, right? That's where everybody is just, oh, it's kumbaya, we mm, all like each other, we all mm-hmm. respect each other, but it's not a real mm-hmm. thing. You know, we're not productive at artificial harmony. And when you're trying to make your culture, it does more harm than good. And when you're trying to create an inclusive culture, one of the outcomes of that is that you're going to have conflict. When you've got different people with different experiences, uh, upbringings, education, uh, all these different points of view, there's no way you're not going to have conflict. So if you're trying to not do it, again, you're not going to be successful at that. What you have to try and do, the middle of that continuum is what he talks about as being ideal. And companies and cultures have to get really comfortable with living right up to the edge of that um, ideal level of conflict because on the right-hand side of that is just chaos, right? It's, it's just organizational hell. It's all the crazy stuff that happens. And so we don't want to go that way. And so in trying not to go there because we think that's conflict, we sort of stay down in artificial harmony, which isn't good either. There's kind of a middle ground, and we've got to get good at, at being able to have some of those conversations. And so I think sometimes we're our own worst enemy as HR practitioners, uh, and executive well, because, yeah, it's tough. It's tough when I go into organizations now trying to sort of combat folks who may have been there a decade or more. Um, mm-hmm. Just the, the ways of working and the ways of thinking just aren't won't work now. 
they won't work now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so, Aaron, great stuff. Tell folks where uh, where they can find out more about you. Give us your web address, your social media. If people want to get in touch with you or Hexagon Outsourcing, if they've got a project or an initiative uh, that they might be working on and they're looking at culture and how to detoxify or how to create the, a, a more positive culture, uh, how do they get in touch with you? I would love for your listeners to visit me on my website. It is www.hexagonoutsourcing.com. That is hexagon, H-E-X-A-G-O-N-O-U-T, S as in Sam, O-U-R-C-I-N-G.com. Feel free to drop us um, your, just your name and your email address so you can stay up to date for our newsletter. Um, and we okay. have some a lot of things going on. So thank you. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Hexagon right. Outsourcing uh, or Vandy Girl. Thank you. Okay. And what I'll do is I'll post that in the comments for this episode to Erin. That way people have the um, web address and they have your Instagram uh, ID so that we can make sure that any listeners who are um, in this in this you know in this phase of their organizations journey or if they've already kind of gone off the rails and are, have enough self, self-awareness now that they want to pull it back on, that they can perhaps reach out to Hexagon Outsourcing to help with some of that work. So thanks again for calling in. I appreciate it. Sorry for the technical difficulties at the top of the hour, but we got it done. So so that's a good thing. So uh, I know that we you did have get to pop out and Thank get on so to other. You're welcome, Erin. Thanks again for calling in and we'll catch up later. All right. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Great, 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 great conversation. So I'm so excited that we were able to bring Erin to you guys um, before she had to pop out to another commitment. So thanks again to her for being flexible with us. So, yes, the, you know, it, it's, it's really, um, you know, detoxing a culture. There are a lot of things that are involved in it, and Erin was mentioning this idea of pulling together um, framework process where um, TRLS group can help organizations look at the culture piece and the inclusion piece. And that's exactly part of what we do. We have taken this idea of detoxing and spring cleaning and cleaning out your organization and taking a look at how do we audit all of those talent practices that are outdated. I don't think you can look at inclusion sort of absent of your organization's overall talent management practices. Because if your organization is older than 10 or 12 years old, you've got inherent bias and all kinds of ooky stuff built into your processes. They've been institutionalized. They've been cemented. And so you really do have to audit all of them and look at all of them through the lens of inclusion just to make sure that your organization is on the right track. And so what we do is we come in and we take a look at all of those talent practices. And we go from everything from how you source to how you hire, onboard, pay, develop, promote, uh, engage, how you um, identify high potential, how you do succession management, how you, um, you know, do assessment and learning. We look at all of those practices in the talent management domain, and we can quickly point out where there's some low-hanging fruit. We can typically take a look and do uh, through the discovery phase of our process and find out where you've just got some, some issues that it's like, okay, if we fix that, that, and that, you'll get a little bit of lift in the inclusion and in the engagement space. And so we want to help organizations to be able to do that work because we think if you approach it from outside in, 
Um, you can do some programming. You can bring people in to, to train your folks uh, initially on unconscious bias or uh, interventions. What do you do? How do you um, how do you make sure that you've got processes in place so that people can report when they feel like they've been harassed or discriminated against? And those are all wonderful things that organizations should be doing. Do them because you don't want to take the time to do the harder work then it won't be sustainable. And so we're all about how do we make inclusion sustainable? How do we truly bake it into the fabric uh, and the DNA of your organization? And so that is definitely uh, work that we do and work that we have found to be uh, pretty powerful for organizations. And so our entry point normally is coming in through the human resources function um, because that's where those processes and practices live from a talent management standpoint. And so, you know, those are those are just a, a few of the things that I think organizations have to be have to be taking a look at. And so, real quick before we jump off, just want to go through again those five keys that I believe are crucial if you're going to detox your workplace culture. And the first one is trust. And again, if you don't have trust, nobody's going to believe you anyway. If you don't have a pattern of doing what you say that you're going to do then why should the organization feel any differently when you say now that we're going to have this inclusive culture? They won't believe you. So how do you go back and start to develop trust in the organization, trust in the leaders of the organization? The second one is clear expectations. People have to know what the desired state is. They have to know what the goal is. So those clear expectations need to show, the, show up in your code of conduct, in your value statement, in your policies, in your processes, they need to be clear, they need to be transparent, everyone needs to know what they are. And then that moves us to key number three, which is accountability. Now that people are clear on the expectations, they're clear on the code of conduct, we have to be able to hold people accountable. It has to be explicit, it has to be consistent, and when people go outside of the lines that you've set, and there isn't really any gray area with harassment, you know, when you allow gray in that area, it turns it, you know, it turns to assault pretty quickly and some other things. And so there are certain things that you have to check immediately, and so this is one of those things. And so holding people accountable. And like I mentioned, even if it's one of your high-value employees or executives, someone that you feel like you just can't do without, trust me, I'm sure the film industry thought that it could not do without Harvey Weinstein. He's now filing for bankruptcy, he and his company. So it's really about... Um, how long before you find yourself um, sitting across the, the table from your legal team because you have a multi-million dollar lawsuit facing your organization because someone just did not take action on a known um, person who was, you know, creating a hostile work environment for employees. Key number four, healthy conflict. We talk a little bit about this, that continuum. Most organizations sit over either at artificial harmony or they're in total conflict chaos, and the goal is somewhere in the middle. Um, and so how do we get organizations comfortable? How do we get HR organizations comfortable with living in a place where there's conflict? Where you have diversity and inclusion, you will inherently have conflict. There's just no way around it. Um, but you have to teach people how to manage it and how to have it effectively and how to do it healthy um, so that people don't feel uh, disrespected or attacked, but that 
you can attack the problem or the issue or the challenge that's in front of you without attacking the person. And then you do have to provide some training. You have to have some how. And so training on unconscious bias, training on how to report, training on how to intervene, training on self-awareness, as Aaron mentioned us. How do you make sure that leaders are emotionally intelligent enough to understand when they're exhibiting risky behavior, when they're crossing a line, when they are getting close to crossing a line, and then they can self-manage and pull back and not, you know, make that mistake that takes them across that line. And so there is definitely a place from training, but what I see organizations doing right now is using training as a Band-Aid. They're putting hundreds of thousands of dollars in the budget to get diversity and inclusion and cultural competence training and all kinds of things into their organizations and all of the back office work with looking at the talent practices and the engagement practices are not getting the kind of attention that they need. And so there is definitely a place, um, in the, which is why I put training in my top five keys, because I think it's critical, but it needs to be in conjunction with some of these other things. And so that's kind of, you know, the way that I think about it, and that's really what our organization, TRLS Group, helps organizations to do. So, again, that's been our topic for today. I hope that I've, you know, said something, either me or Aaron have said something that has sparked you, if you're an HR professional or if you're a business leader, um, to really think about this in a more holistic and comprehensive way and really understand that um, employees now come to work with different expectations. The expectation for a safe and harassment-free work environment should have always been the norm, um, but unfortunately we can't say that that's been the case. And now that um, the issues are coming to the forefront and um, they're out on Main Street, we have an opportunity now to make the positive changes that we know that we need to make in our workplaces and in the cultures where most of us spend a huge amount of time every day. And to Aaron's point, um, we want to make sure that people feel valued and appreciated and that they feel safe in their workplaces. And so, That's it for our topic this week. And, um, again, I hope that I said something that sparked you to kind of go out and be brave and be courageous and tackle whatever issues or challenges you find in your organization uh, or in your team. If you're a leader and you've got a team and you see some things that are happening that uh, make you a little bit uncomfortable, I think I hope that you will feel empowered to to now go out and try and tackle those in some way. If not, give us a call. We can certainly come in and help you out. And you can get to us at www.tre-group.com, www.tre-group.com. You can shoot me an email at trellis at tre-group.com, or you can check me out on social media. All of my social media handles are at Trellis Usher. That's Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So again, thanks guys for joining me today on Conversations with Trellis. Don't forget that I'm going to be keynoting uh, in Atlanta on April the 21st at an empower, a women's empowerment brunch called Empowered to Start, all about how to help um, women who are looking to start that new business, write that book, start a new healthy uh, diet or nutrition plan, how to help them get empowered to start. I'll be there with uh, host and motivational blogger Danielle Dawson. She's also assembled another panel group of some powerful women who have started their own businesses, written their own books, um, and we will be there uh, helping to inspire and motivate women who are looking to do the same. So that information can be found on Eventbrite if you type in either Empower to Start or Sundresses and Hats. 
for April the 21st, you will see that flyer come up. You'll see my uh, wonderful face. And so that's how you'll know that it's the right one. So again, thanks guys for joining me today. And just remember until next time that whatever your life is going to be, it's going to be by design. And the first conversation that you need to have on your journey to greatness is the one that you have with yourself. So thanks again, and I will see you next time.